Good morning, Grace Hills. Hey, I'm excited that you're here today. Um, we just came out of a series on the four Gospels, and one of the sermons that I loved was last week when we talked about um, how Jesus was the Son of God who became a Son of Men so the sons of men could become sons of God. And talking about our identity and who we are, I think it's so huge. So what we're going to do over the next um, couple weeks is we're going to begin to do a little bit of outflow from that and say, okay, if we are the sons and daughters of God, what does that kind of look like? How do we begin to understand that in our life? So if you want to know where we're going in a couple weeks, that's where we're going. And what I want to talk with you about for a few minutes today uh, is about something that just led me personally in my life. And I'll just be honest with you as we're going, today is a very personal sermon for me. Um, and what we're gonna talk about is something that led me personally to experience the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and the peace of God in my life like I, like I never have before. And so this was very, how would I say, it? I'd say this has been very foundational for my life and my walk with God over the last couple of years. And so I just wanna share this with you as we're looking at what does it mean to be a child of God. And I, and I said the word experience on purpose, because how many of you know, we know that God is good. We know that God is faithful. We know like God is all of these things, but there's a difference sometimes between saying like, I believe this about God and then also me beginning to experience it in my life. And there's a lot of things. God has always been good. He's always been faithful. He's always been these things. But what we're gonna walk through today was a thing impersonally in me um, that led me to that point to where I really experienced it in my life. And I really felt like the goodness of God and began to feel it in my life. And here's the hope for today is this, is that I don't want you to just know these things about God, but I want you to begin to experience them in your life. I don't want us to come in here and know about God, that we believe that he's good, that we acknowledge it. And maybe you got some very good academic knowledge on it, that we believe these things. We can, we can say these things as we went through the four gospels about who Jesus is. But I don't want you to come to a place where you just come in and say, I believe it, I acknowledge it, and I understand it. But I want to get to a place today where we say, how do we experience it? How do I walk in that in my life? I'll tell you about the time that this uh, shifted for me. So a few years ago, I went to uh, on a trip up to Wyoming and it was this uh, guy's trip where you'd go and you'd go fly fishing and there's this um, guy who has this giant ranch right on the edge of Yellowstone. It was awesome. It's like the one of the biggest private ranches within like the, actually within some of the borders of Yellowstone. It's awesome. And so we, he brings people up there. I'll just side note, just say this. Cool story. This is a guy who his, um, his wife ended up doing like uh, basically like Tupperware wears like parties but it was for like clothes and then built this giant business bought this ranch and he had this ranch and all of a sudden he felt like God had called him to do something with the ranch just not to live on it and get fat on it but to actually do something with it and I just want to pause and just say like it is amazing when people and God blesses people with resources and things and we say I don't want this just for me but I want to see the kingdom of God changed with this and I think about it today, this is a few years later, and a guy is in the middle of Arkansas preaching a sermon about how this ranch changed his life. And I just wanna to say to us, can we be people that take our resources and say, whatever God has given us, let's be difference makers with them and see the world and the kingdom of God change because God gave us something and we use something with it, amen? amen. Can I get an amen for that one? Amen. So anyways, side note, um, but went on this trip, go, we're going fly fishing, awesome deal. 
And we're going and you do this and then you have these meetings where you end up um, talking with people and we talk about God. We, we sit around the table and, and walk through all these things. And then uh, you would also go and just have these moments where you'd pray and they'd send us out on these walks through like Wyoming to just go pray and send us out. And they would send you out for like the uncomfortable amount of time where you go for like so long that it's like, okay, I don't know what to pray anymore. Um, but the good part of that is, is sometimes we need to get to a point where it's like, I don't know what to pray anymore. And now I need to listen a little more. And um, that's where I was. I, I went and I'm spiritual. I was praying. And I, was, I was praying the, the bark off the trees out there for a while. Like we're getting after it. And then after a little while, I'm like, okay, there's a bird. Like, and we're just like, uh, you know, and I remember this time, I remember there was this gravel road through the stuff and there was a gate and uh, I stopped at this gate and I remember I was just kind of at that point where I was just sitting there and just listening and um, was not an audible voice from God, but it was about as clear as I've ever heard God in my life. And I had him speak to my heart and he said to me, he said, Josh, you are a son, you are not an employee. And it shook my life because I'll tell you, I, I love God. Like, and I've served God my whole life. Uh, I was talking to somebody this week and I, they said, when, like, when were you saved? When did you do these things? And I said, I don't ever remember a time like not knowing Jesus. Like I've always walked with Jesus. Like I've always known God. Like that's been a cool experience of mine. And so walking with God, like walking in all of these things. And I love God. I've served God my whole life. Everything in my life has been built around like how do I please God? How to do these things? And I remember though on that like gravel road sitting there and realizing that in my interaction with God, that I felt like I was an employee and I wasn't a son. And it began to shift in my heart when I felt like God said, hey, hey, Josh, like you are a son. And I almost felt like this weight lifted off of me when I began to realize that's who he's called me to be. And my mentality with serving God was that I wanted to be really good employee, that I wanted to serve God. I was going to do the right things, but he wanted me to be a son. And here's a principle that I want you to grasp today that I think will begin to shift some things in this is this, is that your relationship with God, the way that you interact with God, the way that you experience God, the way that you walk with God is determined by your relationship to God. Your relationship, the way that you know him, the way that you have that relationship with him will determine the way that you interact with him or as we're talking today, the way that you experience him. Your relationship determines your experience. I think about it my, like in my life, like I treat my sister and my wife completely different, right? Because my relationship to them affects my relationship with them. It's the same way with God. As we walk it out, the way that we understand our relationship to God begins to affect the way that we experience him. And here's my hunch today as we're coming into this sermon today is that there are way too many of us living with the weight and performance and unrest and worry and striving of being employees when God has called us to be sons and daughters. I think so many of us walk with that. And this is not a new idea or struggle, which makes me feel good. I think a lot of times the enemy, I don't know if the enemy ever does this to you, but anytime I struggle with something, I, I get into isolation sometimes and feel like, oh, I'm the only one who's walking through this, only person who's ever kind of done this. And I can go into, oh, me, oh, my, why am I in this? But this isn't a new struggle. This is something that's been going on in the church forever. We could see this in the book of Galatians, um, which is a letter to a church that was struggling with the idea of what their relationship with God was rooted in. 
They were, they were in this in-between time trying to figure out what is our relationship with God. And they had people in their church who were arguing that their relationship with God was rooted in what they did for God. That was, there was people that were trying to shift the church in this direction. And the reason for this is that everything that they knew about religion before Jesus was I do things to get God to like me. I do things to get God to accept me. And that was everything that they understood before Jesus. Like, like the, the church was um, at this place and it was mixed with Jews and non-Jews. And both of them had the same problem, same mentality. The Jews were out there and they were, they were trying to get everybody in the church to, to follow Old Testament laws. And they were trying to get people in, uh, to, to, that you've got to eat these type of foods. They were trying to convince people like, you've got to be circumcised if you're going to follow Jesus. Like all of these old school, Old Testament rules that they were trying to bring in and say, this is how you know God. If you do these right things, then God will be pleased with you and you can know God. And then the non-Jews were in there and they were doing the same exact thing. They had this idea if you were observing the right festivals, making the right sacrifice, doing these things, like then, then you would know God and you would walk with God. And here's what I want you to understand, and this is huge, is that the mentality of the Galatians was that their relationship with God was rooted in what they did for God. So our identity was, I do things for God, and that determines my relationship with God. Paul actually kind of sums up the attitude a little bit in Galatians 4.10. And I think he says it so well here. He says this, he says, you're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. He's like, you're, you're trying to do these things to get God to accept you and like you. And because once again, and it's honest, everything they were doing before Jesus was, I do things to get God to like me. Which is honestly like, if we're honest in here, we can say that. We can read this down our nose and be like, okay, they were trying to get people circumcised and eat these foods. Like, that's dumb. But like, we do the same thing in different ways. Really, we do. How many of us have so much, you think about it with them. It was basically their cultural religion that they brought into their relationship with God. And I think about us, how many of us bring our cultural religion that has been ingrained in us for years and years into our relationship with God. And so then we come to this point where my relationship with God is determined by all of these things that I, that I do or that I don't do. And that, I, that, I'm, that the religion of Christianity is that I, I'm supposed to do these things and God will like me, right? I would say it this way. It's the American gospel of relationship karma, right? Karma, you get what you, what you get. And we think of that relationally with God, that it's all I give and I get, and it's this relationship karma thing. And so what we end up doing is we end up approaching the Bible as a, as a to-do list of things I do to get God to like me and the things that I don't do to get God to not dislike me and send me to hell. And so if I do these things, and if I have enough, once again, if I have enough on these scales where it's a good, good stuff instead of wrong stuff, then God's gonna, he's gonna like me and it's gonna be okay and I'm gonna have a good relationship with God. Uh, and I think we walk in this, and, and they were in this place and Paul shows up this church and he's like stop it don't do this he's like I know how you thought about God before Jesus but he comes and he says Jesus changes everything that's where he comes out Paul says Jesus came and paid the penalty for your sins so you could be in right relationship with God so that way you could come to this place where now you are sons and daughters 
And essentially, here's what he begins to say is this, is that your relationship to God is no longer based in what you do, but in who you are. That's the difference. See, so many of us think our relationship is in what I do. And you may not, and let's just be honest, like you may not believe this. Like you may have the academic knowledge. You may have like read about the Reformation. You may have been in this place where you like, okay, only by grace. I am saved by grace through faith. And you believe it. And so you would say, oh no. But how many of us come to a place where we don't believe this, but we feel this? And this is the place that I was when I was on that, that gravel road walking. As if you would have asked me, I would have never said genuinely would never say that my relationship with God was determined by how I do and how I perform and what I do. I would have never said that. I mean, I knew, I knew my Bible and I knew that wasn't right, but I can tell you I was walking in it and I felt it. And my relationship with God, now I didn't feel like a son and daughter of God. Like I, I felt like I was an employee. Paul comes and says that we need to do something different. See, this idea that your relationship was based on who you are, that was a, a totally different concept of religion that was shocking to the Galatians. And I would even say it to us that it's shocking to us. Once again, it may not be shocking to you in your head knowledge, but I think for so many of us, it's shocking to us in our hearts. But this is the message that Paul begins to tell the Galatians as he's been beginning to reorient them into who God calls them to be. I want to read this together. Galatians chapter four, verse five. We're going to begin to see how he's beginning to shift them into that your relationship is in who God says you are, not in what you do. And he says this in Galatians four, verse five. It says, God sent him, speaking of Jesus, to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law and I love this, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So when he's talking about the law, he's talking about the Old Testament law. So here's the part where he's talking to the Jews. And he says, you, you are trying to get to God through all of these laws and through these, these, uh, these rules of God. But I'm trying to tell you now that Jesus came to free you from that. And you are no longer a slave to the law, but you are a child of God. And then he goes on, he says, and because we are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And then I love this line. He says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's very own child. Let me just say that over some of your lives today. You are God's child. And this is honestly where I was that I had to come to this place of is realizing I'm not a slave, I'm not an employee, I'm, I'm his child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir is the next line, which I love that. We'll get back to that in a second. Remember this, that because you are his child, that you receive inheritance from God. And then he goes on and then he talks to the non-Jews in the next part in verse eight. And he begins to say this. He says, before you Gentiles knew God, and if you're not familiar with biblical terms, Gentiles are the non-Jews here. He says, before you Gentiles knew God, he says, you were slaves to so-called gods that didn't even exist. And he says, so now that you, now I love this. He says, so now that you know God, everybody say, know God. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? What is he saying? Once again, it's, it's not about what you do anymore, but he's saying now that you have a relationship with God, now that it's who you are, not in what you do, why would you go back to this mentality that it's about what I do? He's like, God knows you and that's how you live. 
And then he goes on and he says this. He says, you're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. And then I love it. He says, I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. It's interesting, Paul planted this church. He taught them at the very beginning this gospel of what they, that it was in, who, that they were sons and daughters of God. And then the enemy begins to work and they begin to get this place where they're moving off of that. And he says, I fear for you that you're going back to what you knew. Like there's something so much better. And I love it in the next verse. He's, he tells them there is something better for you. He says, dear brothers and sisters, and I love this line. He says, I plead with you. So it doesn't just say, hey, here's something important for you to know. He says, but I plead with you. I want you to know this, that I want to plead with you to live as I do and freedom from these things. For I've become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. He's saying, I want you to live in the freedom of God, God has for you. Amen. What I love in this whole thing is that Paul is pounding home the idea that your starting place is relationship not obedience. Starting place is relationship. That's where, you, that's where you begin. You're not an employee. You're a son and daughter. Now, is, now is Paul saying that um, obedience to God does not matter? No, that's not what he's saying. How many of you parents are in here and you know that you can still call your kids to obedience and even if you care about them and like you can discipline them out of care, but their relationship with you is not rooted in their obedience, Right? I think about Graham um, and he's got this thing now where he just like wants to put his hands in his mouth all the time. It's just inside there. And so I tell him sometimes I'm like, he doesn't obey me probably because he can't understand me. Um, (laughs) But I'll be like, don't put your hands in your mouth, you know? And so I'll pull him out and then he'll just look at me and then he'll just go right back in there. And then sometimes he gets real frothy and I'll pull him out and then he'll get his hands and he'll go right in my mouth, like (laughs) dead in there. You know what I don't do is I don't come to this place where I'm like, he just disobeyed me. I am done with him. Like we're going to drop him off at the orphanage. And like, I am tired of this kid. Like you are cut out of the wheel. It's over with. Bye-bye. Like, like, right. I don't do that. You don't do that with your kids. Why? Because relationship precedes the obedience. Relationship. It's rooted in relationship. We understand that with our kids, but many of us, I think we live with the wrong mindset with God. See, here's, here's the way that we think about it sometimes, is we think that obedience leads to relationship. And because I have now, because I've obeyed God and I've done the right things and God is pleased with me, now then I can have a good relationship with God and I can be right with God. And that is the complete opposite of the gospel. The gospel is the, says absolutely opposite of this. And it says, no, it begins with relationship. Because Jesus came and made you right with God. Now, does that lead to obedience? Yes, because now I have a relationship with a good father who loves me and who cares about me and leads me to walk in his good plans for my life. And it doesn't lead to obedience, absolutely. But you gotta understand the beginning of it all is relationship. So many of us, and I'll just be honest, like that's where I was, is we lead to this place of beginning with obedience. And then we think, well, God will like me. And there's nothing that will tear down your relationship more than when you feel like your relationship is, is based on these, these things and I gotta fill all these things. I, I think about it with, in a marriage. I think about my relationship with my wife and one of the things that makes us feel most, or makes personally me just feel so secure and loved is that it's not about what I do in that relationship, that she loves me and she's committed to me and she's married to me. 
And when I screw up, she doesn't go, oh, now we're backing off of that relationship because you made this mistake. But she's graceful and she's kind and she's forgiving and we walk it out together. And if I was in a relationship, honestly, that was always on knife's edge, where I was feeling like if I do this, I'm over here and I'm like constantly trying to do that. I'm gonna be in a place of worry and fear and I'm not gonna enjoy that relationship at all. I may stay in that relationship, but I ain't gonna enjoy it. And I think that's a place where a lot of us are with God. We're walking that place out and you're not enjoying your relationship with God. You're not walking in what, the joy that you could have as a son and daughter because you're starting at the wrong place. I think that's where we've got to begin to shift. So many of our lives, what we're doing is we're basing our relationship with God and what we do. And it is a fearful, disheartening place that will wear you out. And so here's the point today as we're looking into this sermon is stop living your life and the uncertainty and fear and isolation of an employee mindset with God and realize that he made you a son and daughter, amen? That's who he's called you to be. And when we make that shift, and I can say this, Bible talks about giving testimonies, right? You talk about and share what God has done in your life. I can share a testimony on this because it has changed my life. And I'll say, when you can get your mind around that and you begin to walk in that, it will change everything in the way that you interact with God. It'll shift it and it will begin to change the way that you know God and the way that you walk with God and the way that you love God. And it'll begin to change the way that you're joyful in your obedience to God and everything begins to shift. I love what Paul says in Galatians 4.12, that verse that we just read a while ago. He says this, he says, dear brothers and sisters, I love that he says, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. And I love what he says there, to live as I do in the freedom of, from these things. There's this idea that you are a son and daughter, how you begin to live in the freedom of the expectations and the freedom from law, freedom from all of these things. And it's not just a thing that I get to experience and that's a, 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 a knowledge in my head type of thing, but it's a experience of rest and peace and freedom that I begin to walk in. Walk in your freedom as a child. So what does that look like? As we kind of shift here at the end of the sermon, I, I, I think it means a lot of things, but I want to point you today to a couple of things that I would say that this is where it can begin to make some shifts in you and where it can begin to help you in your life. And I wanna point you to a couple of these. So as you live as a child of God, here's the first thing is that I would tell you is this, live in your security as a child of God. Live in your security as a child of God. I think, uh, I think so many times we, like I was saying, we feel like we're on this knife's edge of like, am I good? Am I not good? Where am I at? And it, it is a place of insecurity where you, you get to this place where you're worked up in your heart and it's hard to enjoy that relationship and that insecurity. And I think about it this way, when I'm thinking about the difference in, in employees and children, I think this is a helpful idea for you is this, is that employees perform for retention, but children walk in security. And I think that's a place where a lot of us are. We perform for retention that I don't want to get fired. I mean, some of you, it's like literally, I don't want to go into fire. That's a hell joke. (laughs) But so many of us, that's where we are, right? It's like, I want to perform for retention to get God to keep me and like me and I'm in right place with God. So everything in my life is to perform so that I'm in good standing with God. But children walk in security. 
Uh, They're not on this place constantly worried about where they are and how God thinks about them. I even say it this way. I was... uh, uh, I was talking to somebody this weekend and somebody had spoke some encouraging words into their life and they said, you know, the, the last time that I thought that God really thought something really good about me was the last time they spoke those encouraging words into my life. Um, and they said, I should really come to a place where like, where I, where I realize that God really does like me and love me. And it's like, yeah. And I would just say that to us. We should walk in the security of realizing that God, God loves you. It's not this place where you're at, where you're on knife's edge all the time. So many of us feel like we have to perform for God so that he'll keep us around instead of walking in the restful peace and security of being his child. Once again, I say feel like. Because I think most of us, a lot of us would say we know that God has forgiven us of our sins and that our relationship with God is not determined by that, that we are saved by faith through grace and we can understand that and we would say that, but that's not the way that we feel once again. We feel like we're performing for retention when he says you're a son and a daughter. Hmm. Here's how this shows up in our lives. I think about one of the ways is this, is that when we're in need of help, how many times do we hide from God instead of running to God? When you realize that he's a good father who wants to help you and bail you out and like walk in your life and like heal you and bring you out of these things, then then it's a thing that totally changes your mindset that you run to God. But when you have an employee mindset, you, you try to cover your tracks so you don't get fired. And I think so many times that's where we live. I'd say it this way. When you have an employee mindset, it, it takes you to a place where you are in isolation from God where we begin to isolate ourselves from God because we're very careful and don't want him to see the places where we are, are failing and the places where we're not at. And so we end up hiding from God a lot of times when he wants to bring you in and help you. I, I think about it with, with Graham once again. So he, he's young, he doesn't understand these things, but I'm trying to figure out now, how do I raise him? How do I love him? How do I begin to set him up in the right ways? And so I'm trying to think through that. One of the things that I'm trying to process through right now and just really trying to put some brain power, figuring out is he's going to eventually sin. He's not perfect. Like he's going to have issues in his life. He's going to have some stuff that he's going to need fixed. Like there's going to be some stuff that's walking through. And I'm, and I'm trying to think, how do I build a relationship with him right now that when he is at his lowest point and he is in a tough spot that, I, that he doesn't try to hide from me because he's afraid of what I'm going to do or my judgment or these things. But how do I get him to say, I'm in trouble. I need my dad. And, uh, and so I'm like trying to think through that. Like, how do I do that? How do I set our relationship up with that? Where he's like, I, I need my dad. Where's my dad at? That's where I want him to be. When he's in trouble, I want him to say, well, I need my dad. Where, where's dad? That's where I want to be. And I, I would say, that's where I would even say God wants us to be. He wants you to be at this place where when you're walking through it, it's like, well, I need my dad. I need some help. I need my heavenly father. Where is he at? You know, I think about um, in Hebrews where it talks about our relationship with God. And it says that we are at this place where we can come boldly to God, to the throne room of God, that we don't have to be scared. We don't have to be hidden. It says that he knows our sins, that, that he even walked through temptation without sin, but that he can sympathize with us. And now we can come boldly to him is what it says. And it says, when we come boldly to him, that we will receive his mercy and that we will have grace like in our lives. And it's so powerful. And I would say, I, I think that, I fear that so many of us don't live with that mentality of God at all. We say, oh, I screwed up. I got to hide from dad. 
And I'd say, that is not who he wants you to be at all. And I'd just bluntly say this. I have counseled a lot of people and walked with a lot of people. And the people that are locked up in bondage for these long periods of the time are the people that cannot come to this place of realizing that God is for me, that he's on my side, that he's not just ticked off because I failed it, but I got a heavenly father who understands my weakness and wants to help me get through it. Amen. And let me just say that to you. If you came in these doors today and maybe you know it, like you've got it up here, but in here you are walking through some stuff and you realize that you are hiding from God. I'll say it like Paul, stop it. Like come to a place and say, no, you're my good heavenly father. I need your help. I'll give you another one. As we're gonna begin to live and experience God, I would tell you this, is that you gotta live in your inheritance as a child of God. Live in your inheritance as a child of God, right? That verse that we read earlier where it says that you are now his heirs. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 1. If you've ever read Ephesians, Paul goes through and basically tells you who you are as a believer, the the spiritual things that you have, all of these things. He is just out there outlining your identity as a believer and what God has given you, and it is powerful. But I love his prayer at the beginning of Ephesians. And one of the things that he says is that he prays for them, for their eyes to be opened to the glorious inheritance that they they have in Christ. And I would even pray that for us, that we would have our eyes open to the inheritance that we have as sons and daughters of Christ. Scripture talks about this is that we're children of God. And it says that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we have received because of what Jesus did, what he did on the cross, now that we receive from him. And so it leads to the question, what is your inheritance? Well, multiple things. Sometimes the first one we're really good at where we understand that we receive heaven as our inheritance. And that's a beautiful thing. That is, Bible talks about that as our future inheritance that we receive. And that is amazing. But it doesn't stop there. What else do we receive as children of God? Will you receive authority over the enemy? When Jesus defeated the enemy on the cross, he defeated it. And you are now walking in the family of God and have authority over the enemy. You get direction, divine direction from God. What does the Bible say? It says that he directs the steps of the righteous. Your inheritance is to be able to know God and be directed by God and walk in God's direction for your life. Provision, what does the Bible over and over and over? It says that God loves to provide for his children. Well, that's a part of your inheritance as a child of God. Power over sin. Jesus defeated on the cross that as a child of God, now you can walk in that. Here's why it's important that you walk as a child is because this, and I think this is helpful, is that employees get what they deserve, but children inherit the riches of their parents, right? So think about it this way. A lot of times we think as we're walking this out that we, we get what we deserve. And so in my relationship with God, like uh, my, what I receive from God is what I deserve, but it's a totally different mentality when you're a children because the children inherit the riches and the goodness of their parents. And I think about it in in reality today is you think about it when, when someone dies and their heirs are named, what's interesting is that the law is not merit-based, but it's relationship-based. Ever thought about that? When you think about when you come together, it doesn't, when you, you begin to read out and parse out what things were, were that the parent had and you give it, it's not, okay, well, you're the better child, so you get these things, and you're the worst child, we can see what you're doing, so we're going to give you these couple things, but it's not merit-based. What is it? It's relationship-based. It's relationship that I, because I am a child, this is what I begin to receive. 
And so many of us do not walk in all that God has given us because we don't feel like we deserve it. The reality is you don't. Like you don't deserve it and that's okay because you're a child. When I was growing up, we had this kid in our, um, in our town and he, they were loaded. And, um, and so there's this kid, he was like 17 and literally had a Lamborghini um, and just was rolling around in this thing. Did he earn it? No. Did he deserve it? Absolutely not. He's a little punk. But you know what? I, I, he still got in that car and said, oh, my daddy gave this to me. I'm going to put the key in and I'm still going to drive it around. Because he was a son and his dad gave it to him. And I'd say this, I think so many of us don't access the inheritance that God has for us because we don't feel worthy to be in it. You're not. You're not, you're not worthy of it. And that's okay. Because he's a good father who loves you and gave it to you anyways. So walk in it. Walk in it. Lastly, I tell you this. If we're going to begin to live it as this, live in peace. Live in peace as a child of God. Live in peace as a child of God. There is a peace in knowing that my father protects me and that my father orders my steps and that my father provides for me and that my father heals my wounds, that my father has good desires for me. If there's a peace in walking in that in my life, there is nothing more peaceful than the innocence of a child. Think about a kid, like they don't worry about where the next check's gonna come from. They don't worry about how are we gonna have a house over our head. They don't worry about where is the food gonna come from. They worry about what time it is for food. I found that out with Graham. <laughs> but it doesn't go like, where are you gonna get the food from? Like, right? But there's like a peace in adolescence and in a child that says, uh, I know my parents got me. I'm not worried about it. Like, I know that they have it. And there's an innocence in a child that's just childlike faith. That's why Jesus comes and he says, come with childlike faith where you just rest in your good father. When we stop walking as employees, and I think what we do so many times is we feel like I, I work for God. God gives me some payoff for my work. And so now I've, I've got to take this and do with it something that'll make him happy and, and, and provide for my life. But when we come to this place that, we say, mm, I've got a good father and I can rest in his care. You think about a parent, what's another word that we use for it in our society a lot is like a caretaker, right? A caretaker. And I think about it, you break that word down, somebody who takes your cares, somebody who, who like cares for you. And I think about it just, it's a dumb play on words, but it helps me when I think about it. Say, he's my caretaker. He's the one who, who loves me and I can walk in peace because I know that the things that are on my brain are not too big for my God. The things I'm walking through are not too big for him. I love it where, where what is it, Peter, I think he says that, um, that I can cast all my worries upon or I can cast all my cares upon him for he cares about me. It's huge. And I think that we carry way too many cares because we're not walking as sons and daughters. We're walking as employees. 
And my challenge for you today as we come out of this place is to say, I'm not gonna let my life and my relationship with God be determined by my feelings of, as an employee of do I do these things right or not, but that and who I am, who I am. I am a child of God so I can rest in him. I'm a child in God so I get to walk in the riches of my father and the good things that he's given to me. I am a child of God so I can walk in all these things. And so I'll just tell you today like Paul, stop walking as an employee. You're a son and daughter. You're a son and daughter, walk in it. And when you realize that, and you walk in it, it'll change your life. And I say that not as a just pastor who's preaching the text, which we do, but I can also say this as somebody who said, it's changed my life. And I believe full heartedly it can change yours. Amen. Can I pray for you? God, we just thank you today that you love us. We know that. We've had failures. Uh, yeah. You are fully aware of our sin. Doesn't surprise you. But like the word of God says, that even while we were still sinners, that you sent Jesus to come and die for us. So that way we could be your children. God, I pray today that we would know that. Not just in knowledge, but that we would know it in our hearts. And that as we walk out of here, when the enemy tries to speak into our minds, begins to try to, uh, uh, try to discourage us in who we are, God, that we will remember, no, I am God's. Like Paul said, that I know God, but not only that, God knows me. He's my good father and I rest in him today. So God, I pray for the reality of that to be in everyone's life here today. We'll walk in that peace and rest and provision and hope in you. So we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said,